Romans chapter 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. Refers to the fact that the law is totally of God, from God, and by God. The word spiritual in the Greek is pneumatikos. Uh, I can only say that because uh, I learned it in Bible college, and I kind of can read the first part of that word, but it's P-N-E-U-M-A-T-I-K-O-S. You don't have to write these down. I didn't have enough time, but next class they will be typed up for you, so you don't, don't feel like you have to write it down. I will have these typed up for you next class. <clears throat> Spiritual in the Greek is pneumatikos, and it means non-carnal, not of man, or in other words, of the Holy Spirit. Not, not, non-carnal, not of man, in other words, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the next part. But I am carnal, soul, understand. Man within himself has no spirituality whatsoever. He is completely void of a spiritual or divine nature. Now remember, this is a Paul's post-conversion view of self. This should also be our view of our own selves. Especially in Paul's own self that way. Who, when you read through scripture, it seems like Paul's I to be honest, it seems like Paul is a bit untouchable as a believer. His prayer life, his dedication to the will of God, all the things that he endured for the gospel's sake, and I, I'll just just be honest, I'm like, <sighs> and yet this is how Paul saw it, so that's impressive. And we should be ourselves the same way. Here, Paul is describing himself as carnal. In other words, as a Christian living, however unwillingly, more or less under the control of the evil nature from which he had been liberated. However, he is back under its control because he is living under law instead of grace. So when Paul is dominated by the sin nature, he says he's carnal. He sees himself as carnal. All the time we say carnal Christians, we, the truth is, we don't even know what's happening. Yeah. But what you're really saying when you say that person, that person's a carnal Christian, you're saying that that person is living under the dominion of the sin nature, although they are saved. Yeah. They're saved, love the Lord, but yet they're being dominated by the sin nature because they don't have, their faith is not in the right object. Christ has already liberated them from the yeah. sin nature, but because they do not know that, mm -hmm. and they are not looking in the right place, they're dominated by the sin nature. When Paul was being dominated by the sin nature, he referred to himself as carnal. Yeah. In Corinthians, when that church was being dominated by the sin nature, Paul said that you're carnal. What do you say? I can't, can't speak. I, I, I want to speak of you about spiritual things, but you're carnal. You're being dominated by the sin nature. You got one who is married to his stepmom. You got others who, when you go to take communion or your love feasts, there's no thought for anyone else. For those that have more than they need, they just bring it all there for everyone else to see. And then for those that don't have anything, 
and rub it in their face, but you never actually invite them over to your lovelies to share anything with them. Their drunkenness, all of the different things. But we know how carnal, dominated by the sin nature, and I'll just throw this in there just so you can actually think about it. They were operating in the gifts of the Spirit more than anyone else. Drop the bombshell on my thought process. I know it does mine. Because the truth is, we tend to look at someone operating in the gift of the Spirit as maturity. That's true. And we think that if you operate in the gift of the Spirit, you are definitely spiritual. But yet, here is a church that Paul says, you are carnal. And yet, they operate in the gifts of the Spirit more than any other so just because you see the gifts of the Spirit in operation does not mean spirituality. That is a strong thing that I've seen grab my generation. That's when people chase stuff all over. Oh man, well there's the gifts of the Spirit, there's this and there's that. Oh, this is a spiritual church. No, it's probably carnal. First of all, the fact that you're chasing after that tells me that you are carnal. Yeah, you're right. Okay. As such, he is sold as a slave under sin. We talk about a man that's born again and even spirit filled. Paul was spirit filled during this experience. Yeah. And he was truly changed. And we'll see that as, as we get into that part of the scripture that can be a little confusing to read. <laughs> it's the same man, and I'll prove it to you. The word sold in the Greek is P I P R A S K O, and it means. Sin has foreclosed the mortgage and owns its slave. So Paul says that he is sold as a slave under sin. Sin has foreclosed the mortgage and owns its slave. Unless the believer knows and understands what Christ has actually done for him and how that he figures and how that he figures into the entirety of that great act of Calvary, that it is inevitable that it will conclude exactly as Paul described here. I'm going to basically make that really easy to understand. And it, sometimes it can be hard for us to believe or swallow, and I'll, I'll admit that there are times in my own where I actually question it in my own self. Does pe do people really need the message of the cross? Is that many people really off? Or is this just a crock? <laughs> I've had that thought. Do people really not? Surely not. Surely a lot of people know this. Everybody seems healthy. Everything seems healthy in a lot of believers' lives. Surely, 
I've had that thought. <coughs> but this right here says that if you do not understand the cross, you do not understand what Christ has done for you, you do not understand that you are crucified with Him, buried with Him, raised unto newness of life, and you don't place your faith in that on a daily basis, the only place for you to be is dominated by the sin nature. Yeah. Even though no one can see it, you're dominated by the sin nature. Just because we look at people and we say, man, they look, they look great as a Christian. They're always here. Every Sunday they're here. Every Wednesday they're here. They have a great prayer life. My Lord, they pray every day. They study the Word more than I do, Pastor. Praise God. Man, praise God. They are healthy. And God sees that they don't have the right object of faith. They do not understand the cross. And that they are dominated by the sin nature. And there are things in their life that they cannot get victory over. They do not understand why it is happening. They are totally, they have an active sin nature in their life. But just because we can't see it. Yeah. We are very good at hiding things. Yep. Yeah. Yes, we are. When I come to church. All you get is a snapshot of people. Yeah. And we think, oh, brother, God, I see, praise God, they're doing great. Oh, every time I see, all you got is a snapshot. Use social media as a good example because people can put only what they want you to see on social media. Right? We got a good marriage on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. We do not. On social media, not on Facebook. Your husband or your wife, whatever, is an alcoholic. And no one knows. Or they they abuse you, they speak down to you in a in in a manner that basically belittles you. Or you're dominated by the sin nature and you're just not happy in your marriage and you because they just don't treat you the way that you think you should be treated at the end of the day. It's really just all about you anyway. Yes, that's true. Come on. But praise God on Facebook. I, hate God. I love my husband. I love my wife. The best marriage in the world. I'm just so happy. We always go to trips together everything. And it yet behind closed doors is the most unhealthy. Maybe because the sin nature is dominating, but like I said, you don't get a snapshot. You don't get what they post on Facebook. Yeah. On my social media, I can post pictures all the time, which I really don't have. I got Twitter. <laughs> but I can post pictures of me, of different, of all these different vacation photos. Now, it doesn't mean I travel all the time, but if I just keep posting vacation photos, the thing that you're going to think is this brother don't even work. He doesn't even travel anymore about that. <laughs> we get a snapshot of Christians. Yeah. yeah. People in the church on Sunday. Yeah. They love the Lord. My people are in captivity just because you cannot see it. And my desire is that they return to the promise. Yes. Uh, verse 15. Okay, this is where it gets confusing when you read it. You're like, 
What is he trying to say? <laughs> Verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. Presents the words of a saved man who is trying and failing. Allow in the Greek is G-I-N-O-S-K-O. -O. It means to know by experience or to understand. Paul is saying, for that which I do, I do not understand. I do not understand what I am doing. That's basically what Paul's saying. Now, the King James, like I said, it translates to where it would mean something totally different to us if we read it how the King James translates it. Uh, it's just a poor translation, but that's what Paul is saying. For that which I do, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why, even though I want to live for God, I want to do the right thing, I do the wrong thing. And I sin. And I don't understand why. Because I'm trying so hard to do the right thing and to not do the wrong thing, but I do the wrong thing even though I want to do the right thing. And I don't understand. You don't think maybe he struggled with before when he was killing the Christians to... After he met Christ, like before he was, uh, but before he before he was saved, he killed a Christian. Yeah. Then he met Christ, and then he started helping them and telling them about the gospel. You don't think maybe he's kind of struggling there? In in Romans seven, like yeah, yeah, like what well, we know that he's saved when he's talking in Romans seven because an unsaved person has no desire yeah, to right. yeah, not right. sin. Yeah, yeah. So we know for sure, okay, he has to be saved. It, when you get saved, the first thing that happens is you want to do right and you do not want to do wrong. You do not want to sin. Sin but breaks you your heart. He did wrong before and now he's still trying to be right but that's still kind of dragging him behind him. Uh, people keep reminding him. He doesn't oh, say what it is. Yeah, I see what I'm saying. But as you, as you travel through it in the context, he's definitely talking about a, a, a current thing referring to keeping the law. Like actually being able to keep live the law of God correctly. Yeah. And he finds, I can't. Even though I want to, I'm still failing. And later on, there is a place that he talked about that covetousness. And well, I think it's in Romans 7 or 8, maybe 6, where Paul actually said that covetousness, he, he basically, he, he didn't, I didn't know what covetousness was until the law said, thou shalt not covet. Yeah. And then that's when Paul saw, ah, I have covetousness in my heart. So it could have been, that could have been a part of it. We're not really sure. It doesn't really say for sure. But it's definitely, he's attempting to keep the law of Moses in its entirety. And he finds that even though he has the desire to do it because he's saved now, yeah. Yeah. he still can't do it. This is one of the areas of scripture where it's very important to follow his thought process along until he gets to his final conclusion. Because if we get bogged down in the statements alone, each individual verse, 
that's what's going to happen. We're going to get bogged down. Uh, he's actually trying to go somewhere. He's just kind of making the long way around. He's not getting to the point first and then explaining it. He's talking about the process until he gets to his final point. And so I think that a lot of the questions that we have in this as we go through it will be answered as we go along. And, uh, and of course, if it's not answered by the time we get to the end, especially chapter 7, then of course, obviously, we want to deal with it and make sure everybody understands. But, uh, but I just want to throw that in there because that's, it's, it's, some of these verses are very difficult to stand alone. Mm-hmm. So they have to, we have to keep it all yeah. in context and just follow the process yeah. in that. So. Yeah. Uh, Paul is attempting in his own strength to accomplish that which can only be done by and accomplished in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next part. Um, for what I would, for what I would, that I do not refers to the obedience he wants to render to Christ, but rather fails. Uh, the next part. But what I hate that I do refers to sin in his life, which he doesn't want to do, and in fact hates, but finds himself unable to stop. So we see, we don't know what it is, we don't know what it is, but there was something that Paul knew it was wrong, the law said that's not right, and he wanted to obey and not do it, and he tried to not do it, and the only thing that he kept seeing is he kept doing it, and he's like, dude, I don't understand, I do not understand why this is happening, I love the Lord, I'm saved, I even have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but yet, I'm failing, and I don't understand that. Uh, verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, presents Paul doing something that is against his will. He doesn't want to do it, and is trying not to do it, but finds himself giving in and doing it anyways. So we see Paul clearly does not want to do this. His will is to be obedient. He wants to be obedient and do what's right. He wants to have righteousness exhibited in his life. That's what Paul desires with all of his heart. But yet, he sees unrighteousness. That is pretty tough. To, for some of us to grab hold of because it says that your will can be overpowered by Satan. And it's like, whoa. And especially for us that believe free will, which I believe man has a free will. We have a free will to choose Christ or not to choose Christ. That's our free will. Satan can fight you in everything that he wants to. The one thing that he cannot touch you in is if you say yes to Jesus. Because of your free will. That 
is it seems like in Scripture sort of the extent of our free will. To say yes to Jesus or to say no. Because right here, Paul is a born-again believer, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and his will is to have unrighteousness be carried out in his daily walk as a Christian. But he sees, even though that's his will, he's being overpowered by Satan, by temptation, and he keeps giving in to it. And then he sins. Even though, and as soon as he does, his heart is broken. And he's asking for forgiveness. And because he, he knows this is wrong. Yeah. This is not right. He knows through the Holy Spirit on the inside of him that it is not right. And he has the law that says, thou shalt not, whatever it is. So he, he sees that it is wrong. And still finds himself failing. And cares about it much more now because oh, yeah. he does yeah. that spirit yeah. God exactly. on the inside. So he cares about that. He notices quickly when he right. sins and when he fails. Just like all of us. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you as a believer, when you are going after God and he's in you, you notice quickly whenever you have failed. Yeah. You, you, and you care about it. And really, this is what he is describing here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. God has the antidote for man's problem of sin. But most men refuse to accept it. Yeah. That is where the condemnation comes in. Mm-hmm. We talked about God being just, holy, righteous, and loving. It's through the rejection of God's atonement. That men go to hell. Yes. The next part. I consent unto the law that it is good. Simply means that the law of God is working as it is intended to work. Uh, the word consent in the Greek is S-U-M-P-H-E-M-I. And it means to speak together with or concur with. Paul is saying that I don't want to do this thing which is wrong, and the law does not want me to do this thing which is wrong, proving the law of God is performing its intended purpose. Paul is also saying that it is not the law's fault that he is failing, but rather his own fault. Verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it. This does not give license to sin. Right. A lot of people see this verse. Now then it is no more I to do it and just run just run. Well it's not me. Oh it's Satan. Or it's such and such. So and so. As we talked about earlier, but most of the time we just really enjoy just blaming Satan for everything. We we give Satan a lot more credit than we than he should. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Satan made me do it. No, 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 that was you. Mm. <laughs> well, no, that was Satan. No, that was you. You, you don't need any help. Sitting. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to let you know right now. You don't need any assistance. Yeah. Sitting. Yeah. You can do bad all by yourself. You do not need any help. I found that out. 
<laughs> when I was in Bible college, in a dorm room, I didn't have basically internet, really, I mean, I mean, I had never no TV, no, no, I mean, here I'm just in a dorm room, like being in a prison cell, that's kind of fair. <laughs> now, I didn't have all kind of different things. I was in a Pentecostal Bible college, I'm in class, like eight hours a day, it seemed like, chapel services, I got brothers and sisters of like faith all around me to encourage me and to help me. My, I get, when I get out of school, I've got to do my homework, so at the end of the day, I might spend 12, sometimes even longer, even more hours in the Word of God. Whether that's in the Word, in prayer, in homework. <laughs> Praise God. Brother, that sounds like the promised land. That sounds like Canaan land, my brother. I pray God, I wish I had that. My Lord, sounds like garden meat. I'll just tell you right now, I found out that uh, I do have a sin nature on the inside of me. I do not need any help to sin. Actually, I will make up ways to sin. I need no help. And just to be honest, as believers here, that sounds like a pretty good environment that I was in. And yet, I still found ways to sin. What? <laughs> no, brother, it's your environment that you in. No, I had a pretty good one. <laughs> Didn't need any help. I can do the wrong thing all by myself. I have a sin nature. Thank you. I do not need any help to sin. I will come up with ways. Put me in a white padded room. Lock me up to the world. And I'll still sin. I'll find a way to sin somehow. Even if it's just in thought. Yeah. Because thou shalt not covet yeah. is still sin. Well, covetousness is not a physical action all the time. That's just a strong desire for something that is not yours. Yeah. What do you mean? You mean, you mean that just the desire for something that belongs to someone else or that is wrong is sin? Yeah. Put me in a padded three by three room. Lock me off from the world and just have me in there. And you know what sin? I will probably break. Yeah. I will probably break the law if thou shalt not come. <laughs> I will find a way to sin, it seems like. Yeah. We don't need any help. But yet, we make it seem like. But that's Satan. You know, that's Satan after me trying to get me. Satan after me, well, he's trying to, he's running me down trying to get me to sin, hate on me. No, that's just you. That's just you. That's just, that's just you. Here I was at work and Satan came out of nowhere. And I, I, I couldn't help it, brother. I lost my cool. I said, cuss word, that's Satan after me. No, that's just you. Yeah. Stop blaming. Yeah. Everything else. Hate to break it to you, brother, sister. But Satan is already defeated and he's on a leash. Yeah. Read the book of Job. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, he can't do anything to you that God doesn't allow. Come on. Amen. That's right. So if God allowed it, <laughs> it was already on the inside of you. 
that foul mouth was already in your heart. And probably towards that person. <laughs> it wasn't Satan. It's just you. We are sinful. We have a sin nature on the inside of us. We don't need any help. That's true. So now that we know that ah, I don't need any help, it's not the devil. Now how much more do you need? Christ, because it's just you, but you still do have an enemy, yeah. and the world, the flesh. Remember, poor in spirit, lesser the poor in spirit. See how, as we travel through this, we see, man, self just ain't so great. <laughs> After all, I'm not, I'm not that great. <laughs> it's a good thing though that's a good thing yeah verse 17 oh we just said that the next part of verse 17 but sin that dwells in me refers to the sin nature so what Paul is saying is uh, the sin nature which dwells in us Paul as a born again spirit filled believer does not want to do these things which are wrong he wants to do right and is trying but failing and he's not understanding why. Paul is activating the sin nature within himself which is causing all kinds of problems and he doesn't know how it is happening. He fights it very hard but the situation only gets worse. Paul is not speaking of the right or wrong of the situation but rather the cause of what is taking place, which is the sin nature. So Paul gets to the place that says, it's not me, I'm born again. I have a new nature. I am a new creation in Christ. But something is happening that's causing the sin nature. That's why it says it's no longer I, but sin in me. The sin nature is active again. And the sin nature is what is driving me to rebel, to do the wrong thing, to sin. All acts of sin come from the sin nature. The sin nature is the tree, and the act of sin is just a fruit from that tree. Yeah. Right. If you attack the fruit, you will not kill the tree. You may pluck that fruit and another one is going to crop up. Right. Right. It'll just keep producing. Right. Fruit. Right. Acts of sin will just keep producing. Keep producing. That brings us back to what we said earlier. One sin is not greater than the other. They all come from yeah. the same tree. Yeah. God's after the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's after the root yeah. of the problem. Not what surfaces from the problem. Mm. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And we deal with yeah. the fruit. We, we deal with the fruit. Yeah. Right. Especially the ones yeah. that other people can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Chop that off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the worst, the ones that are more dangerous yeah. are the ones that cannot be seen. Yeah. That's good. Pride, That's selfishness, yeah. self righteousness. Yeah. That's good. See, all of those things, you, you can't see. 
the time. But I can sure see that drunk over there. My goodness. That brother or sister or minister, whatever it is, but that person over there, he is a drunk. Should be more like this person. That person's puffed up with pride more than you can imagine. But just because you can see that one, you think it's worse. But the one that's more dangerous is that one. Because it can be hidden. Right. It can be cloaked. And the truth is, drunkenness, God can take care of that. But pride, that's a little bit deeper. Yeah. 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 A drunk can be delivered just. Well, all deliverances will count, right? So let me clarify that. But a drunk gets a revelation of the cross, and alcohol falls off. But yet, why is it that pride doesn't just fall? We want to keep that in the heart. We love God. Because it's rooted very It's like a deep hook. Yeah. Yeah. That we just can't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a sickness. And this is another good example. Talk about tree and fruit. Sickness. I've used this one before, but I really like it. (laughs) And it just fits so well. If you have a, if you have the flu, you have symptoms that come out because of the flu. You're going to have body ache. You're going to be coughing. You're probably going to be sneezing. You're going to have a fever. Those are symptoms of the flu virus. Now, if you have the cold and I see that you are coughing and I give you cough medicine, the only thing that I am after is the one symptom. But I did not make you better. You still have the flu. Because it's the virus that needs to go. It's the virus that needs to be treated. For us, it is not the symptoms of the sin nature that need to be treated. It is the virus. The disease of sin. The sin nature. It's the leprosy. Leprosy is a type of sin in scripture. Leprosy eats away the body. The leprosy is what needs to go for the body to be made whole. The sin nature has to be brought under control for the symptoms of the sin nature or the fruit of that tree to stop being produced. We attack the wrong things. Yeah. That's why if someone just like yeah. we say, well, well, the problem is pride. The problem is the sin nature, and pride is just fruit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the problem is self righteousness. The problem is the sin nature. Self righteousness is just a fruit. Yeah. The problem is abortion. The problem is the sin nature. The problem is homosexuality. And then we even use scripture too to help us. Let's attack the fruit. 
You're going to take out that fruit. Homosexuality. Yeah. You want to get rid of the fruit? Cut the tree out. Yeah, that's good. Get rid of the tree. You, you, you address the sin nature, and guess what fruit? Five or six to say, we'll go away. Homosexuality. Mm -hmm. We'll go away. But we attack the wrong things. And then we wonder why we don't ever really see deliverance that is a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Partial victory is not victory. Yeah, right. That's true. Victory for three months and then failure is not the victory. But when you get dominated by something, you do good for like two weeks and you're like, hey, praise God! Praise <laughs> God! And then you bust the face. Sometimes we think partial victory is victory. Yeah, come on. I'm going to go a bit out. There's a thing in the Old Testament where the prophet tells uh, the king or something, and you'll probably know as we start talking about, fire the arrow into the ground. And he fires three. And he said, you fool. Because you've only fired three arrows, you're only going to get a partial victory. Because what three was just in nature. You need daily. You need daily. You need to fire the arrow every day. Boom. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I don't need just a partial victory for the sin nature in my life. If I do, then eventually it will wreck everything that God has given me. Because yeah. it steals kills, and destroys. Fire the arrow. I need to fire daily. Daily. The cross. The cross. The cross. Every day. Not today, and then I'll be good. Today will hold me for a week, and then I'm then You're going to have a partial victory. Daily. Fire the arrow. Faith. And the right object. Daily. Daily. Okay, uh, we'll pick it up next week, verse 18, and hopefully we'll be able to finish it out.